Scary Story Podcast brings original short scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, and experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Whether this is your first time, or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week. Many of us look forward to spring break as our first vacation of the new year, when we can be free from school and work. But when we're visiting new places or have our guard down to relax, that is the moment chaos strikes. So stay vigilant and be on the lookout for ghosts in strange places or entities that will take advantage of your vacay mode. Otherwise, your dream spring break could turn into a nightmare. First, the monster lurks behind you, followed by an unwanted guest. Then, beware of entering where you're not invited. Finally, in our featured story, don't go in the water. Before we get to our stories, I just wanted to make sure that everyone knows that we are now available on Apple Premium, where you can listen to the Something Scary podcast without ads. It's only $19.99 a year, which is a deal, like $1.60 a month deal. We also would love to have you join our Patreon. Patreon is such a great and inexpensive way to help us do all that we do here. And it also allows us to sell fewer ads. Plus, you'll most likely meet other horror fans while you're there. So, wanna hear something scary? Spring Break from Hell. Sometimes running from what we fear most leads us directly to it. Like in this story, inspired by Annalise Brown. Amos was always the awkward kid. He never went to the park because of all the germs on the playground. You couldn't take him to a party. The music was always too loud and gave him anxiety. A typical Friday night for Amos would be sitting up in his room doing a thousand piece puzzle and starting it over if there was a slight mishap. Besides Amos's unusual habits, he also had many, many fears. The biggest being creepy crawlies, ladybugs, ants, spiders. He even stepped on a moth once when it startled him. Every year when spring break rolled around, the bug fest began. As hard as people tried to get him out of the house, he wouldn't budge. Barbecues? No. 
Park? Absolutely not. Amusement parks? Out of the question. Thankfully, Amos had a safe hideaway with his aunt Celia. She was forced to stay inside most of the time because of a rare skin condition that required her to avoid the sun. She told Amos he didn't have to stay cooped up with her in the house, but he didn't know why anyone would want to be outside with the flying things and bugs anyway. Aunt Celia's house was next to a lake overlooking the mountains. It was cozy, quiet, and clean. That's why Amos loved it so much. The first day of spring break was great. They watched TV, played board games, and trained Coco the cat to catch treats in the air. When bedtime came around, Aunt Celia turned off the light in Amos's room and said goodnight, leaving the door ajar. Amos breathed a sigh of relief. It was the perfect way to spend spring break. But after a couple of hours of sleeping soundly, Amos woke up to a creaking sound. He sat up, scanned the room, then shrugged it off. As he lay on his back, he felt a tingling sensation on his toes. He lifted the sheets, nothing. He shut his eyes again, then felt the sensation of something crawling up his back. He frantically turned to the side, but there was nothing. I'm just being paranoid. There are no bugs in here whatsoever, he reassured himself. Then Amos felt prickling all over his body. He lifted the covers to find thousands of bugs all over the bed. He ran to his aunt's room shouting, there's bugs everywhere, they're in my bed, they're on me. Upon returning to his room, there were no insects to be found. Aunt Celia tucked Amos back in and reassured him it was just a dream. The next day, it got worse. Amos thought he saw bugs crawling through his hair, in his food, even inside his skin. His aunt assured him he was just imagining it. It was just paranoia. Celia needed to run some errands and pick up food. Amos was working on yet another puzzle, and that always seemed to calm him down. I'm just heading out for a bit, she said. Amos didn't want to stay home alone. What if the bugs came back? His aunt just shook her head. The obsession was getting to be too much. You'll be fine, she insisted. Stay here and face your fear. When I return and nothing has happened, you can put this silliness behind you. Amos wasn't happy, but he was soon absorbed in completing his thousand-piece puzzle. Looking up, he noticed it was dark out. He looked at the time. 10 p.m.? Where was Aunt Celia? Amos stood, leaving the puzzle behind him and opened the door to the downstairs garage. It was dark and quiet. When he reached the garage and turned on the small overhead light, he saw her car was still gone. He looked around, and that's when he noticed the closet door for the first time. There was a tiny crack between the bottom of the door and the floor, and it looked like something was trying to crawl through it. His eyes must have been playing tricks on him from staring at the puzzle for too long. As he bent down to investigate, a spider snuck through and crawled out toward Amos. He grimaced as he stomped on it with his shoe. He twisted the doorknob and the door opened to reveal a sea full of cobwebs. 
He yelped as he tripped and fell into the closet, the door slamming behind him. Screaming and fighting for his life, almost became twisted in the webs with his back pinned up against the closet wall. Thousands of spiders surrounded him. He tried to crawl his way out or look for an escape. But as he peeled himself off of the wall, he came face to face with Aunt Celia, dead and covered in cobwebs. He lost all fight when he laid eyes on the mangled body of his favorite aunt. Their bodies weren't found until days later when Amos's parents came to pick him up. They searched the entire house until they came to the closet. They found the shells of Amos and his aunt completely nested in with millions of tiny spiders. He had faced his fear and the worst possible scenario had come true. Have you ever had to come face to face with your phobia? What is something that could kill you? How did you overcome it? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. A family road trip can be something to look forward to. A well-earned break in a quaint New England B&B. So long as there's no uninvited guest as in this story, written by Janine Pipe. I'd been excited for spring break and the idea of spending a few days with my boyfriend Dylan's family at the beach. But at the last minute, his grandma fell ill and he ended up heading to New York City to see her. And I ended up with my parents and little sister on a New England road trip instead of in the sunshine, swimming and spending quality time with my bae. My parents are authors, so they love taking us to locations where they can get future stories, which was how we wound up at the Harborside Inn in Edgartown, Massachusetts. It was pretty late by the time we rolled up to the inn, since we'd stopped off at a few historical sites along the way and insisted on pulling over when we saw a roadside diner proclaiming to serve the world's best pie. I was sharing a room with my sister, Laya, and our parents were in the adjoining room. We pretty much fell asleep as soon as our heads hit the pillows, which made it even more annoying when the phone rang around 2.30 in the morning. I picked it up, groggily, wondering if it was Dylan, and in a fleeting moment of wondering where the hell I was, 
and why I was with Laya. Hello? I answered gruffly. Dylan? There was a pause, and then dial tone. Whoever it was had hung up. I cursed, then stuffed my head back under the duvet. Laya groaned. I opened one eye and saw it was now 2.45, and the damn thing was ringing again. This time it stopped, just as I reached over. No one else called, but it didn't stop me from being restless the rest of the night. When I mentioned it to my mom and dad in the morning, they said they'd speak to reception, but it was likely just a fault with the phone. We had a fun day, and I soon forgot my tiredness. Back at the inn, I went back to our room to wash up before dinner. It was lovely and tidy, the beds made fresh and towels folded and waiting. I jumped in the shower, and when I headed back into the room, I audibly gasped. Both the quilts from the beds and all the pillows and towels were on the floor. At first, I thought Laya was playing a trick on me, but the thing was, I had the only key and the adjoining door to my mom and dad's room was shut. Was someone messing with me? I quickly dressed and tidied up, racing downstairs to the lounge. Laya was there with our parents in the middle of a close game of Clue. They hadn't moved. I decided not to say anything. They'd only suggest I was still annoyed about not being with Dylan. But I did ask Laya to come up to the room with me before we left for dinner to fetch a sweater as I was feeling uneasy. She was using the bathroom as I rummaged in my bag to grab my favorite hoodie when the room door swung open. Open, not shut. Something you were only meant to be able to do with a key and furthermore, a person using the key. But there was no one in the corridor. The sense of unease was veering into scared territory. Laya came out of the bathroom to find me staring at the open door. She gave me an odd look and then begged to take the elevator down as her sneakers had been rubbing her feet. There were only four floors at the end, but I acquiesced since we were at the top. We hit the lobby button. We stopped at three with no one there, then two with no one there, before finally the doors opened on the first floor and I ran out much to the amusement of my little sister. I took a deep breath as she put her hand on my shoulder, which felt surprisingly cold. Get off, lie, you're free. I stopped mid-sentence as I saw her on the other side of me with both hands tucked into her jean pockets and nowhere near my shoulder, which still felt the echo of icy digits. That was it. One of the instances would have been annoying to an irritating coincidence, but all of those freaky occurrences added up and I'd had enough. I was scared. I ran over to my mom and I asked if we could leave the inn, head home early. I hadn't seen the owner manning the reception desk and she came over to see what was wrong. It turns out I wasn't going crazy or sulking about not going on the trip to the beach. The owner apologized and told us about Lilith the mischievous ghost in room 409. Ghost? They had a ghost? She moved us into a family suite on the first floor for the next two nights, and I'm happy to report there were no more happenings, at least not for us. 
But if you are headed to the Harborside Inn in Edgartown, be sure they don't give you room 409. And if they do, be ready for a visit with Lilith. Have you ever experienced any ghostly happenings? Ever felt a presence? Maybe even seen something you couldn't explain? When we're reading about urban legends, it's always exciting. But when we're not hiding behind the safety of our phone screens, they become much more terrifying. Like in this story, inspired by Samarth. Jamie and Sophie were on their way to the Sahyadri Mountains, headed to Kalsabai for spring break. They had been grinding for their college exams all semester and were excited for some alone time. Jamie hadn't even paid attention to where Sophie booked tickets, but it was too late to change the game plan. While they were trekking up the mountain, Jamie vowed not to let Sophie pick spring break in the middle of nowhere again. She was obsessed with strange and haunted places. Once, she heard about the stories of Kalsabai. There was no stopping her wanting to visit. It was an old legend that said deep inside the forest, there was a disappearing temple. The temple only appeared once every year on Durga Ashtami, and that if you are fortunate enough to find it, you will be wished a lifetime of luck. But the temple is protected by spirits who guard it. Legend says that those who tried to find it often don't return, and the ones who do never speak about it. Even the mention of the temple in front of them drives them crazy. Jamie hated to break it to her, but Durga Ashtami was back in October. There was no way they were going to see anything supernatural or weird, but he didn't want to ruin it for Sophie. She was so excited. Only a few hours after they arrived, they were gazing up at the mystic peak of Kalsabai as the sun began to lower in the sky. They were deep in the woods, climbing up the mountain, with Sophie leading the charge and Jamie lagging behind. He kept stopping for water breaks or to rest his feet. Sophie giggled, handed Jamie more water while she told him he was holding her back. She was joking, but there was some truth to it. When they stood back up to get on the trail, Jamie was turned around and wasn't sure which way to go. And he didn't like the sneaky smile that crept across Sophie's face. I know what you're thinking he said, but we're in the middle of nowhere. Stick to the trail and don't be dumb. What did you just call me? Sophie asked, storming off the trail to spite him. Jamie called after her, insisting he didn't mean it. He just didn't understand why they would be going off trail when the sun was going down. They could die out there and all for what? To try and get a glimpse of an imaginary temple? By the time he finished speaking, they were far off the path with no trail in sight. Luckily, the night was clear with only a light breeze. There was very little sound except the crunching of dry leaves as Jamie and Sophie marched forward, examining their surroundings. Sophie, it's late. I'm tired. I think it's time we head. Before Jamie completed his sentence, he felt Sophie's hands cover his mouth. With her other hand, 
She pointed forward. His mouth gaped in astonishment at what was before them. It was real. They'd actually found the temple. Sophie cried out with joy. She grabbed Jamie's hand, dragging him forwards. Suddenly, the winds picked up speed, and the once quiet night blew leaves, dirt, and small rocks through the air, landing in their hair and stinging their faces. The gusts were so strong they could barely stand upright. Sophie was on her hands and knees and trying to crawl herself toward the temple, but to no avail. What was once a silent forest was now overtaken by crazy weather. Jamie's heart started pounding as he spun around looking in every direction for an escape route. Suddenly, a disembodied voice boomed all around them. Do that or you shall face the consequences. It echoed through the forest. Jamie didn't hesitate as he grabbed Sophie and pulled her away from the temple. They sprinted as fast as they could till they found a path. The second their feet touched the track, the winds stopped dead. The woods were once again silent. Sophie wanted to go back, try again as they'd be prepared. Jamie couldn't believe what she was suggesting. No way was he ever going to return. He continued heading back, muttering about what a crazy idea it would be. And he just wanted to shower and sleep when he noticed Sophie wasn't arguing back. He stopped and did a 360. She was gone. Sophie, he called panicked. Jamie searched for as long as he could before heading back to the hostel and reporting her missing. She was never found, but he truly believed she had returned to the temple and just like so many before her, had just simply vanished, never to be seen again. Is there anywhere you're dying to go? Any haunted places you've visited that are really spooky to you? Tell us your story by sending us an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. And don't forget to take a look at the awesome Something Scary merch at somethingscary@snarl.com. We've got something for everyone, from hoodies to hats to writer's notebooks. Check it out after the podcast. In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of the Vietnamese vengeful spirit inspired by Giara and now animated on our YouTube channel. It's easy to ignore the terrors around you when untouched by the situation, but when you're not looking, it might get you. Luann and I were ecstatic to spend their spring break unwinding by the majestic Bobby Lake Their friend Swan offered up a cabin on site. They had an entire week ahead of them filled from snorkeling in crystal clear waters to discovering what hidden gems lay buried beneath the depths of the lake. This was sure to be a vacation that neither would forget. As the girls ventured off their bus, a chill ran through them as they noticed posters scattered everywhere with headlines of missing in blazing red ink. Uncertainty loomed in the air. What could possibly be happening? Swan noticed the expression on their face as he met them with a wave and explained that a handful of people were reported missing in the lake. Nobody was certain what happened to them, 
though he shrugged it off as tourists who got lost in the woods. Luann and I stood in silence as they read one of the posters, be aware of your surroundings when you're at Ba Bay Lake. What was more concerning was that one of the posters was that of Kim Hien. She had been missing since last week. Luann recognized her as another friend of Swan's. Luann hadn't seen Swan in a long time, but they had been friends for years. He always had a kind smile and mischievous green eyes. He looked a little sad as he helped with their bags and said he'd be in the cabin next door if they needed anything. With anticipation in the air, the friends pulled on their wetsuits and decided to take advantage of what remained of daylight. And off they went towards the lake, hoping for an evening snorkel. They raced out to the shore, giggling with excitement and dove in. The lake's chill tingled against Luann's skin, a greenish-blue haze filled with waving seagrass, crayfish, and caves. The underwater ecosystem was dark, murky, and yet beautiful. Mai rolled back, pumping a thumbs up before swimming off deeper into Bob Bay's seaweed forest. Luann swam after her. Creepy shadows crept beyond the seaweed. Are those fish? Mai asked, pointing to the cave and swimming toward it. Within the cave's narrow entrance lay two green glints, gems probably. Picking those out as a souvenir would be a score. She swam faster, Luann following, gaze stuck to the green orbs, but bubbles drifted from the cave's entrance. A low watery gurgle sounded from the dark and suddenly the green orbs blinked like eyes. Luann froze. Gray fingers jutted from the cave. Chunks of flesh drifted from the arm. The creature snarled with sharp, blood-caked fingernails, reaching to snatch Mai's wrists. Mai stifled a scream as she kicked the creature down. Luann caught its face, hair of seaweed, but the rest human. A sharp jawline, beauty marked by its left eye, and a scar across its lip. It was Kim. Kim Hin, Swan's missing friend. Mai latched onto Luann's arm, dragging her towards the surface. They raced past the seaweed forest, smacking the plants from their vision. The shadows began to grow, green eyes blinking open among them, and they were more. The water erupted with gross gurgles and rotted bony arms began to reach from the shadows, but the girls kept swimming. Luann met their stares and knew it was them, Kim Hin and the other missing people. They were all there. Suddenly, a fleshy palm clutched onto Luann's oxygen tank, pulling her downward. She silently screamed. The creature opened its mouth as if to howl, and the rest shoved Luann's aside, dogpiling on top of Mai's failing body. The glinting green eyes glared hungrily towards Luann. Choking back tears, Luann left Mai be dragged away and kicked toward the surface. She reached the shore, clawing her way out of the water, ripping her goggles from her face. She scrambled to her feet, sprinting towards Luann's cabin. Luann shrieked, slamming her fist against the door. Swan swung it open to Luann's terrified face. They got my, the missing people, Swan. They're all in the water. Luann gripped his wrist, dragging him toward the shoreline. The lake was still and dark, too dark to catch a glimpse of what lay beneath. Luann swore she was telling the truth, and then she realized Zwan believed her. But he didn't look shocked, only remorseful. He <sighs> shouldn't have dove so deep, Luann, he sighed. They're the Mada, 
Vietnamese vengeful spirits. They're the ghost of drowned victims. It started with one, but these poor souls died in torment and cannot find peace unless they find another to take their place. I know because I was one. Kim Hien saved me by sacrificing herself. The dawning realization hit her like a ton of bricks. The only way to save Mai was to switch places with her. Swan walked back to his cabin, leaving Luan at the edge of the water, having to make a terrible decision. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Calvin Linderman. Additional audio editing by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>